What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. Now, like, let's just get to it. The whole secular sacred divide. There is no distinction in, in the scriptures. Some of us have trust issues with God. And right, some right. of us, yeah, it's like, does God really got us? engage the culture with the gospel that first has not engaged you no. like you know how people are like oh that's just who i am no, no. <laughs> keep, 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 keep. drop the mic drop drop the mic drop the mic shaping the code what is up everyone we are back with another episode of shaping the culture and today we've got a special guest with us uh, there's so much I can say about this man. He is a science whiz. He is your favorite artist, favorite artist. Okay. He is content creator. Uh, I feel like else? the guest pastor just sitting in the chair <laughs> waiting as, uh, <laughs> as he gets all his accolades. Man, listen, <laughs> a performer. Uh, what else can I say? A conversationalist. Uh, I want to say something about the way you make coffee, bro, because it's so poetic. And it's so coffee is a beautiful thing, man. It is, man. If you ever, ever need a cup of coffee, Joe's your man. Indeed, I yeah. am. We got a thinker with us. I'm excited. He's been on before. Glad to have him back again. We got none other than Joe Solomon with us. What up, man? What's good, bro? How you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to be doing this, man. Shout out to you. I think, um, um, man, you have a gift, man, to make people feel at ease and home and uh, you're very inquisitive and um, man I know I feel that from you so I'm pretty sure the people that know you in person probably um, feel that a, a million times more and I hope people say that about you enough so man, I uh, excited to do this I don't think I've done a interview with anybody about yeah I guess this, it's like a this is an exclusive, is exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, yeah I haven't uh, yeah I haven't yeah. yeah I haven't been interested so and for the the listeners tuning in this podcast episode is not going to be a whole bunch of gotcha moments i just kind of want to like lay out the the vibe for the conversation mm. um over the last year you and i have had a few conversations off camera about your transition and i'm just curious and i know as a fan because i've been following you for a very long time i've benefited a great deal of just having honest conversation just mm. trying to seek to understand what it is that you're thinking, feeling, going through, how you make some of the decisions you make. And so I hope this conversation is just that honest, open, transparent yeah. conversation. I'm not trying to convert you back to Christianity. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not trying to get you in a catch-22 and have all of your arguments just kind of fall into pieces or what have you. Mm. I just genuinely want to know your heart, get a feel for where you're at, and maybe the listener after this conversation will will have some of that as well and yeah. so but Dope. i appreciate you for coming on i know that's not this is one of the first that you've done so i don't take that lightly yeah. and uh grateful for your presence um you know i had a great time the first time and i'm excited for this conversation as well yeah absolutely so. same same man same yeah cool well let's kind of jump into this i remember it gets kind of loud out here sometimes i might close the door after yeah. if it gets because it's like uh Oh yeah, it's three forty-five. So like, school's Traffic, letting out. Yeah. That yeah, that yeah. could be. 
that's real. It's all good. We'll make it. We'll make it work with what we got. I like the ambient, the ambient noise, ambient noise, or whatever. But it might be too much. We'll see. But we'll go see. ahead, yeah, man. We'll make it work. Yeah. Um, we we had we had to have the plants and the light. It's Joe Solomon comes on. It has this is on the brand. Vi- <laughs> the vibe, the brand, bro. It's you the brand, stay on man. Brand, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I uh, so the day that you announced that you left the faith. August 21st, 2021. I remember that day vividly. Um, Perizim Church, the church I pastor, we meet 5 p.m. And uh, it was maybe an hour, maybe a half hour before our service started. I was sitting down and I just go on Twitter and then I see the announcement. Yeah. And I was like, is this real? My heart like sunk and I didn't realize how, and I know you know you and I have talked about a lot of people feeling the same way, um, how emotional that post was going to be for me, or how much I would have, how much I was going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just follow. I, I've benefited a great deal from the content that you put out, um, the ministry that you had uh, when you were a believer, and so I just remember feeling like, yo, this is wild. Anyways, long story short got off the phone, did the service, got off. And then you uh, did an Instagram live that night, I believe. (laughs) And uh, I had to hop in and I was just heartbroken by the comment section and the things that people were saying. And so I guess my first question is, um, take us back to August 21st. Yeah, or the 22nd. I think it was one, 21 or 22. It was one of those dates. And I knew it was 20 something in August 21, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What was your, where was your headspace at when you made that post? And uh, what what are the emotions that you felt right after? Because I know you were getting blown up and a lot was yeah. happening. Yeah, you know, so I had kind of made that transition privately and personally in my own heart uh, months before that. Yeah. Um, and I had began telling my friends and my family already and I knew that people could see the the change publicly in some way. Some people were, you know, gently pushing back. Some people were weird. Some people found my home address and was sending me like ominous wow. letters and stuff. That was weird. Yeah. Um, but when I made the post, I, I handled it. I didn't handle it well. I think that I had been so removed from the, I had went through the, the, the turmoil and the frustration and the hurt and the pain in private mm. already. I had already went through it and I went th- through it and came out the other side, you know, feeling whole yeah. or at least more whole and more confident and certain of where I was. And so by the time, I knew I had to make the announcement to the world, I, well, I almost didn't want it. I was like, man, I'll just let people figure it out. But I felt like it was a disservice to myself and a disservice to people who were, you know, they signed up to watch me, they subscribed to me or whatever for a particular reason. Yeah. And, you know, as far as they're concerned, I'm a Christian who claims to uh, hold up Christian standards. That's why I'm doing something that's not based within Christian standards. They feel the right to say something to challenge that because they don't know that I'm not a Christian. Right. And so I felt, it felt a bit, it felt a bit dualistic. Mm. You know, I was still getting booking requests for mm. churches and stuff like that. And wow. I was just like, yeah. 
you know, and then I actually had a, a I actually had a non-Christian friend who challenged me to, uh, to make it public. Mm. Um, and she had good reason to, and her reason became more clear after I posted it. And I'll tell you why it mm. became more clear because when I posted it, I was just kind of over it. Yeah. Emotionally, like I said, I already been through it. And so I was really haphazard and just kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, y'all, not Christian, <laughs> whatever. And don't don't ask me no questions. Yeah, yeah. Don't pop up if you wasn't talking to me before this. I'm not going into it. I'm not gonna give you no whys. I'm just not a Christian. Yeah. And, you know, it was my non-Christian friend who told me that you, know, you missed an opportunity to mm. show people an example of someone who who walks away from that space certain and whole and not mm. hurt. Um, because many times what people expect, and people still expect this from me, because I see it in comments all the time, they assume that I leave because of church hurt mm -hmm. or because of some sort of like egregious sin. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always like some pastor fell out with it, right. you know, he cheated on his wife and then there was like this weird like route that he went down or um, someone leaves because they're just hurt or they leave because of, um, you know, it's the white man's religion or they leave because of a lot of frustration with the church. And I do have frustration with the church, yeah. but I don't think that makes me unique. I think right. Christians have frustration yeah, with the church. Like yeah. Everyone has frustrations with the church. Yeah. So, and I think my frustrations are you're not unique to me because I left. They're, they're, their frustrations are there because I was so a part of it. I think, mm. you know, if I meet one of your family members and they do something, you know, that I think is kind of awkward, I may have like a small frustration with them. But yeah. your your frustrations with them are probably way more significant than mine. Yeah. But your love is so more significant right. for them too. But it's because you spent so much time with them that you're actually much more acquainted with, right. you know, the nuances of the, you know. So I'm I'm definitely... I'm definitely acquainted with the fr uh, of of problems within the church, but that's not mm. why I left. Yeah. Um, I talk about it on my my YouTube channel about you know I mean the the real general answer is just you know intellectually mm -hmm. and even existentially like it just was too much uh, tension to hold as far as it as far as the dots connecting. Uh, I'm not gonna go too much because I have like all, I have videos and videos about it but I mean yeah. essentially that was it was no hurt involved yeah. uh, at least not primarily yeah. that's not the reason why there's still people I love I still get down with a lot of Christians yeah. um, and so I wanted to I, I came back with the podcast episode to try to clean up what I did because I did want to offer to for one Christians who are or former Christians who had left or Christians who were on the fence mm -hmm. Um, who didn't know what a, a healthy transition could look like. Yeah. And I know the word healthy is relative depending on what side of the fence you're on about this. <laughs> Nothing about what I'm doing is healthy to some people. Right, right. But what healthy transition looks like, or at least attempting to be healthy in the transition, yeah. um, and showing an, a, a, an avenue of like, hey, you, you know, you don't have to be all broken and messed up. You don't have to be mad at everybody. I'm not right. gonna go on some rant 
of trying to out all these, you know, while I'm at it, you know, this pastor <laughs> did this and then this and trying to take everybody down with me. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, I don't have to do that. And I want to show people an example of that. And so I, you know, I think I might've missed, she told me, she's like, I think you might've missed an opportunity to, mm. to leave that door open for conversation. And so I try to clean it up. Yeah. But, you know, emotionally at that time, I was kind of, I was, again, I was over the, I was over it, you know, in a good way. I was kind of over it. So mm. I think people who have been, I, I, I underestimated, mm. and like you, you know, it's good that you brought it up. I underestimated people like you mm. who I just didn't think, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I didn't <laughs> think people would really care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just didn't. I just didn't think people would be that concerned with it. Yeah. Um, and I could only think in. I, I could only think in. A, a dichotomy on one side: people who would be happy for me, and people who would be, mm. just flat out judgmental, upset with me. And I really didn't consider people who were in the middle, who were, mm. who were, you know, still had love for me and was really, you know, they grew a lot in their faith because of me, and now they're. You know, they have genuinely had questions and they were a little left confused and a little hurt and and maybe in some ways discarded in the way that I approached it. Yeah. How 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 frivolous frivolously I, you know, handled that. And uh, I began to feel that, too, of like. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't I still don't think I owe anybody anything right. I, yeah. I, I just I just don't think that language is appropriate for it but the um, I do I'm, I'm learning more and more how to appreciate on any spectrum whether it be family friends or supporters who have been around for a long time like in this life man gotta appreciate people man and yeah. you know especially people who have really rock with you for a while. And I don't think the way that I handled that, I don't think, I think I was so in my own world that I didn't really consider appreciating people who, you know, uh, wouldn't hate me, but right. still be affected by this. Right. Like this was, this is a significant thing for them. Yeah. And again, I don't owe them anything, but just out of, uh, out of love and appreciation to people, I think it was, I don't think I handled it well, so I tried to clean it up after the fact. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you've you've been doing that. You started a whole new YouTube page, kind of welcoming us in, inviting us into yeah. some of your thought processes and maybe some of the reasons why you made the decision that you did make. How has that been for you? Has that been therapeutic for you? I'll tell you this: the you reacting to your poem. Oh yeah, that was emotional for me to see. Mm. And I could tell there was emotion on your part as well. Yeah. But how has that been now that you're trying to clean things up? You're trying to invite people. And, and what I love, I've told you this before, what I love about that YouTube page is you're not combative. You're not trying to, you know, drag Christianity through the mud. You're just being honest and transparent about your wrestles and the inconsistencies that you found in the faith and how you just couldn't make amends with that. But yeah. what, what's that been like for you now? Revisit. I know it's, this is maybe a year or two after you've made it public, but yeah. in an attempt to clean things up, what's that process look like and felt like for you? Mm. It's been great in some ways. Like, again, 
being so over it, I kind of even like stopped <laughs> even like thinking in terms of like trying to wrestle through, well, I won't say completely, but at least not publicly wrestling through my mm-hmm. Christian background and trying to reconcile that with where I'm at now today. And so I just didn't really have any real interest in it at first. And so to do it, you know, um, sometimes I still lose interest in it. Yeah. But um, some of it has been th- therapeutic um, as you try to, you know, reconcile the 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 banking account. You know, like <laughs> there's been a lot of spending, going, there's a lot of money out going out, a lot of money going in, yeah. and now you got to balance the books. And so, you know, you got to kind of account for where everything is at. And I think you just live in so much life, and it's just good sometimes to just sit down and be like, okay, what's been going out? What's been coming in? Yeah. Why was that going out? Why was that coming in? Why was that spent? Why yeah. was that, you know? And so when I mean, I mean that by like all the things that have, all the Christian ways of thinking that have shaped me and made me who I am yeah. and, and colors the way that I look at the world. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, bringing in all these other different ways of looking at the world, I can't ignore the fact that this, so much of my life was shaped by Christian thinking mm. um, that now I'm trying to like revisit, you know, why do I mm. think that way about life, relationships or money or, or ambition, uh, my creativity. Right. And then, so now I'm kind of going back, it's helping me to go back and reassess, you know, if something is still good to hold, kind of take an inventory. And I think mm. there are a lot of things about my Christian background that I still hold. Like, I'm like, I don't reject all the language of Christianity. And I think yeah. there's still so much good mm. um, that I've learned from Christianity that I, I find myself sort of uh, revisiting now. I think yeah. I threw the baby out with a ba- with the bathwater for a minute. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm like trying to revisit some classic Christian understanding and then seeing how that can apply to my mm. life now. Cause I think of it like I was explaining to, the other day to somebody how I don't want to reject all Christian language and the concepts that come with it. Mm. I see Christianity now as like a, um, like a box of Cheerios where you know, if I want to buy Cheerios and they come from a manufacturer or some plant or whatever, like they don't just bring the Cheerios to me. Mm-hmm. They put it in a box. The box is there to help transport it to right, me. Right. But I don't buy a box of Cheerios for the box of right. Cheerios. I buy the box of Cheerios for the Cheerios. Gotcha. And the the container is what's necessary mm-hmm. to get it to me. And I think that there's a lot of things that are nutritional mm-hmm. about the Christian faith that came in the container of Christianity um, that... Um, that I still want to use and I don't want to get too caught up on the container. And so yeah. uh, I think that, um, you know, in another sense, like um, we were taught English, the way that we explain and, and speak about the world around us is English, but English was given to us by <laughs> our oppressors. <laughs> yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. it was given to us by our oppressors and yet as we combat oppression and we combat uh, colonialist, capitalist, uh, you know, anti-black thinking, yeah, 
we do it with the oppressor's language. Right, right. It's the language we know, and it's the language we've come familiar with, and we can most effectively do it because right. we we speak it so well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, so I don't try to go and learn some native African language so that I can combat oppression. Right. Like this is the language I was born with. This is, and I do it most efficiently with this language. Right. So this is language I'm going to use yeah. to deal with the space that I'm in. And so I think of it the same way with, you know, Christianity. Christianity is very much the, the first language I know about life. Mm. Language like resurrection and death and grace and self-control mm. and, and language like redemption and, and, and these very, very Christian words and ways of thinking about life, this was the language I was given, and I don't necessarily have to trash the language in order to deal with the life that's around me. This is, I, I'm mo my most, in the way that I'm native in English, yeah. as far as a native English speaker, Christianity is my first language right. about life and about morality and about mm. love and, and family and self-control and all those things, and so, I've mastered that pretty well. So I can, you know, use that and I can learn other languages too, but you know, yeah. the foundation for me has been Christianity and I'm okay with using the language to try to make it through life with it. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at right now as yeah. we speak. Yeah, no, that's so. real. I as we're talking, I can already hear people being like, "Oh, is the container does he feel like Christianity is an oppressive uh, religion is that mm. you know making that connect I know you're just using it as yeah, an analogy, yeah yeah but maybe uh, it, I mean if you want my honest opinion yeah I yeah. think it's oppressive in some ways but I don't think it's like the oppressor's mm. religion uh, I mean yeah it's not the oppressor's religion I, I, I'm not some people I've even had that going around. Oh, he left because he thinks that it's the white man where y'all getting this from I never thought that Christianity <laughs> was a white man's religion you're talking I know their origin of yeah. of Christianity I know uh I know that it it made it to Ethiopia far before it got to yeah. before it got to the white man. Yeah. It's been, it's been a you know a black and brown religion long before you know uh, or at least even concurrently as far as we're going to Romans and stuff like that. So I, I mean I understand, yeah. um, but I also understand it was so it's uh, yeah I don't have no issue with that. But I do think it's oppressive in a, in a more mm. broader sense. Not. It is liberating in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I think that, again, because the language of Christianity is, you know, it's liberating to, to have language to think through life like that. But, you know, it's oppressive. I was talking about it on my channel the other day. I think there's some ways, one of the ways that I think that. With uh, the body, right? With the body, you know, and particularly Paul's, you know, Paul's ethic of the, of the body. I know some people were like, well, when Paul says flesh and body, he's not saying the same. There's flesh as flesh desires and then body. Right. I'm like, well, but fleshly desires come from the body. Yeah. You know, what is, where does lust come from? But from hormones. Yeah, yeah. So to damn fleshly desires is in some way to damn the body. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an unfair, um, you know, characterization of the Bible. I think the Bible very much pits the spiritual and the physical against each other. It sees it as good too originally, but it was, but ultimately it was cursed by sin. Yeah. Um, the world around us, the the weeds that 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 grow, you know, uh, in the gardens and stuff. That is a that is a an effect of the curse on nature. The yeah. the the snake being cursed down to the ground yeah. um, is effect. Um, 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 the childbirth of of Eve now mm -hmm. now having pain. Yeah. Um, all these things. Toil, are, work. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a dichotomy. There's a dichotomy of uh, you know 
you know, of flesh and think, think of the things that are above, not things that, that are below, you know, don't think of uh, the flesh and, you know, kill the flesh, deny the flesh. Um, you know, uh, the flesh wages war against your soul is very combative language yeah. around the body. And I think that I've kind of come to the conclusion that whether my body or my body's desires, I don't approach them now as um, as something to combat, but but something to control yeah. and something to call into submission and Wait, and to focus its desires and to and to deny some of its desires. I, I think yeah. denying and killing are both languages that the Bible uses, but still very different. You know, like it's, I was like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not at war with my body. Mm. I don't want to see it that way anymore. Yeah. I'm not at war with my fleshly desires. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a pursuit of harmony between my desires and what my body does, what mm. my mind desires, what my body desires. So that's real. I, you know, just out of curiosity, what, what would you say would be the difference between waging war with the body and denying, you know, your flesh? Um, I guess in my mind, even though the Bible does speak on both, I, I've always interpreted it as it being the same thing. It, so it is in practice, it is yeah. the same thing. To, yeah. de, you know, to deny yourself, to kill your flesh is yeah. simply to say, you know, don't watch porn. Yeah. So in a practical sense, to kill your flesh or deny your flesh is in a practical sense, the same thing. Yeah. It's like, don't watch porn. <laughs> yeah. But it's the, the disposition towards the body that's, that's different, the mm -hmm. way that you see the body, what, you know, it's not a despising of it. So like when mm -hmm. you want to watch porn and you're seeing it as not just a design, de denying, but also you're in a combat and a war, you hate the enemy. Your mm -hmm. body becomes the enemy. Right, and right. now there's a war between the two of you. And so when you do watch porn or when you have these, you know, uh, sexual desires that you know that are out of line with the, uh, the Bible, when you do things that are against us, now there's a, there's, a, there's a guilt and there's a shame, there's a despising of the body, uh, a frustration, a crying, I don't want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't even think that that's the most, for me, it hasn't proven to be the most effective thing to get out of sin. And I think that um, even Christians would say that it's, it's dual, dualistic, because on one side they would say deny, kill, but, you know, but also there was like, you work from the victory of Christ, not for the victory of Christ. Yeah. You work out of an out of, outflow of grace and yeah. not you know, for the pursuit of grace yeah. that's been given to you, yeah. not earned. And so it's dualistic. So yeah, on one side, I, I think it's both. The Bible presents both. Um, yeah. I just don't think the other one is necessary uh, or very efficient. I don't want to operate on a spectrum of guilt and shame, mm. uh, but on a, on a, a spectrum of only of joy and fulfillment. I, th I know that the Christian has a an ethic of joy and fulfillment as well. Like, yo, this is more fulfilling to you to do it this way. To follow God's will is is life. Yeah. You know, this is the abundant life. Is to walk in the will of is to walk in the will of God. Yeah. Um. So that ethic is there, um. But I just don't need. I think the other ethic to bring it all full circle is a bit is is a bit oppressive. Yeah. Way of thinking from my of trying to call my body into submission. For it's sure. a dark place. I. You know what's crazy is as you're talking. I'm like, yeah, 
I agree. <laughs> all right, now nah, listen. I'm not out here trying to convert nobody, nah, man. Because in one sense, I don't feel like guilt and shame is something that we're supposed to ha- like champion that as a Christian. You know, I think there's a difference between conviction and shame, or conviction and guilt. And I don't think, you know, we're called to respond to our mishaps in such a way that we condemn ourselves or that we um, beat ourselves up, especially because if we're coming from the overflow of the -hmm. victory that we have. Even Paul says, he says, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. So there's, I mean, that's there too. I guess I don't want to paint the picture. People say, oh, he's he's only seen in one side for his own agenda. It's like both of them is there. I just think one is not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. You know, this kind of reminds me of what we're talking about off air. Um, in our conversation in the last podcast episode we did, you uh, brought up the idea of traveling light. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because, you know, what, what's crazy is if people have been following you for a while, you know, they would know that, like, you've been honest about your doubts. You've been honest about your wrestles. And so you being on this side of the conversation, it's like, uh, man, like, you, you were legitimately trying to make sense of the faith, legitimately trying to receive this thing wholeheartedly and follow it with everything that you got. And, you know, one of the things that you were, one of the tools that you were using to stay in the fight was, or the fight for the faith, I should say, is to travel light. And I can't help but as we're talking about this, think about like, can, can that tool be used? Um, Because like I said, when you, when I hear you talk there, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm with Joe on that. Like I actually, Mm don't disagree with that mm-hmm. um can this be a matter where we travel light on or what does that look like for you or do you in in um your pro do we have to throw the baby out with the bath water if there is overlap and we can acknowledge that paul speaks to there's no condemnation that there the the gospel is for our freedom it is for fulfillment it's for our joy um and that some of the things that may seem oppressive um, yeah, they, they don't necessarily have to be the, the means in which we live this life by. Yeah. Um, well, I still, I'm still on that whole, like travel light, trying to get rid of stuff that's mm. not necessary. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is on topic, but I, it is on topic, but I might be staring at it a different way as far as like, um, Hmm. How can I approach this? One of the things I had to wrestle with, you know, as a Christian, and then when I started making this language, you know, my walk away was, you know, and and maybe this is to the, the, uh, the vindication of some people's opinions of me, my transition out of Christian faith wasn't overnight. I Mm. was, slowly letting things go, yeah. not in an attempt to let go of my Christianity, but to hold on. Because it was frustrating me, you know, people think, I oh, see this, it's a slow drift. And mm. people categorize the slow drift as something that is uh, all bad, has bad intentions, or maybe I was just being deceived by the devil. But really, I just wanted, I was like, I just want, is what do I need? Do mm. I need salvation from Jesus? Okay, what do I need to keep in order to hold on yeah. to all of that? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I was wrestling with at the time was the, you know, the inerrancy and infallibility of the scriptures. And yeah. I'm like, okay, it makes, makes it a little more gray if you let go of that. But 
I was like, yo, a lot of this stuff is not really adding up to me in the way that, you know, in the way that Paul interprets Jesus and I've seen the discontinuity between Paul and Jesus. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of theologians, I mean, people probably just tell me I'm thinking about it wrong, but I'm like, man, I mean, you've got to be just a cursory view of it. Seems like a lot of discontinuity, but I mean, if you're a seminarian, then it all kind of, you know, you can, you can do some gymnastics to make it work. But, Mm. um, I was like, man, I was becoming one of those, uh, those, one of those dreaded red letter Christians where it was like, man, if, <laughs> you know, if it's in red, then we cool. Yeah. But everything else is up for grabs because yeah. I was trying to just hold on to Jesus. Mm. I was the, I was like, like, that was the last thing to go was Jesus. Yeah. I was starting to let go, even the, the prophets and even some of the miracles before, you know, the flood and all that. And, mm. um, but particularly, you know, Paul's one of the guys that uh, I had a, issue with as well. And one thing is a sidebar mm. that I was having a conversation with somebody yeah. um, on Twitter, I think it was. And it's especially around this conversation. I, I always have a question about this for, for Christians who want to be pro LGBTQ while still being pro infallibility inerrancy. Mm. I was like, and you know, for the record, I, obviously, I mean, not obviously, but I mean, where I'm at now, I'm like, yeah, love who you want to love. It's not my business. I think love is a very hard thing to find. And everyone, I think the the way that the church oftentimes um, simplifies, and my friend Will really challenged me on this too, how we simplify people's mm. uh, uh, identities down to their sexual desires. Mm. And it's not always them that do it. It's society, society around them that distills them down to who they who they sleep with versus like mm. that all that also entails their desires to have families and to be loved and to yeah. be cared for and to just exist yeah. happily in society man who doesn't man i have been the struggle for me to exist that way for myself mm. has been so hard and so meaningful for me like i, I just don't want to be someone who stands in the way of that for someone else mm. and so you know but either way you know for me, and I've always felt this way. I felt this way as a Christian. I was, I was, I, I was on the space of like, well, you know, I believe that uh, as a Christian, I was like, you know, I, I believe that homosexuality is a sin, and you know, God doesn't permit marriage except for uh, by a man and a woman, and so forth. Yeah. And I was like, but anybody else that can do what you want. If you're not a Christian, like, do what you do what you want to do. Like, yeah. I'm not going to hold you to Christian. Right standards um but the issue that i kept running into and the issue i still run into now is how people want to be be advocates for lgbtq rights while still holding to the infallibility and inerrancy of scripture and to me that is a huge cognitive like Mm. dissonance yeah and i'm like i think the only way you get away with it as a christian is to deny that all the Christian, the biblical authors knew what they was talking about. Yeah. Like you, I don't see any way around it. Like yeah, yeah. I hear so many arguments of people trying to make it seem as if the Bible is okay with, well, it is always this like exegetical gymnastics that make it seem as if, you know, well, he wasn't talking about the type of gay marriage we're talking about now. He was talking about rape and blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. fam, just read, if you just read from Genesis to Revelation, whether it's Jesus, 
or whether it's in uh-huh. Exodus, if it's Leviticus, whoever. And like people say, well, that was in Leviticus. Do y'all still, y'all wear multiple uh, uh, fabrics, okay? Do y'all still <laughs> eat shellfish? Like, fam, Jesus upholds Leviticus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a he was an Old Testament Jew. The Jesus you're trying to uphold, that Jesus loves everybody. He loves everybody and he loves Leviticus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matthew <laughs> so, 19. Yeah, so yeah. Between a man and a woman. Yes, yeah, he yeah. upholds Levitical. So yeah. it's like, you've got to make a choice. That's where it was always trippy to me, where it was like, it, I don't see how you, you hold the two without, you have to do some crazy gymnastics. Uh, and to, when you say that, rights, you're not talking about like the right to work, the right to um, live, you're talking about the right to marry. Correct. Because there's a, yeah, okay. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I, I just, people try to, you, when you're trying to have a consistent worldview, you have to think through those things. And I think that, you know, I remember, man, this one lady, I was watching this debate. I think it was, uh, I forget his name now. Uh, I'll, I'll, it'll hit me after, the, uh, after this interview. But um, it was this sort of debate. Uh, Esau. Macaulay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think I think I think Professor it was him. Professor Wheaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was on. Black. He was on this. Yeah. He had a conversation. He had like a panel about homosexuality and 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 Paul and whatever. And there was a lady. I forget her name now, but I thought she was because I was like, okay, here we about to have Christians debating about whether you know he was on the conservative side. And he had some yeah. people who was on more on the liberal side. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let me see how they're gonna make sense of this. How they're gonna try to do all this? Somebody else doing the gymnastics again. Yeah. And she was honest. She was like. Paul got it wrong mm. uh, on his sexual ethic. Like she was okay with doing away with mm. the inerrancy and infallibility of, of of all sixty-six books of the Bible. And I think that I feel like that's the only uh, the way to make it work. But that's kind of like a sidebar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to say that, like I was in working through my own cons- my own consistency within my own worldview, yeah. that was something that was up for grabs. I, and I went to my pastor about that too. I remember yeah. going to his office and saying, man, I just wanna let you know, like I'm, mm. I don't think I'm on the whole inerrancy of scripture thing anymore, but it's not because I'm trying to leave the faith. Yeah. I'm trying to create more space to stay here right. yeah. um, because I don't want anything to get in the way of, of me just wanting to be with Jesus, like I just, so that was my attempt, man. Yeah. And what, I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up because one, one of the reasons why I don't want this conversation to be a debate or why I'm never in your comment section is because I know you've got people that love Jesus and love you in your life that yeah. are better thinkers than those in the comment section, yeah. uh, better theologians, right? And that's not to take shots at anybody on the internet. But, um, and that's something I've truly respected about you is you, you surround yourself with people that think like you and that don't think like you. You welcome challenge. And as long as you're in a trusted space, you're willing to have dialogue. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if people on the internet know that, that you're in your pastor's office or your pastor's office saying, this is my wrestle, this is my tension. Yeah. I think sometimes people can look at you and, and think, oh, he just made that in, a decision in isolation. Um, he's just rebelling, doing his own thing. Nah, these are, man, thing. anybody who's been in small group with me, yeah. has, Anything that's news to y'all now, people have heard that for weeks and months or yeah. years in my own, like, yeah. I was wrestling. My first time I really, you know, wrestled with, you know, I don't know if I, I was in a small group. I remember a few years ago. I talked about this on my channel, too, one time. And some, I forget on what video, but it was like, yeah. you know, I was doubting the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. And um, I confessed to that small group. I'm like, yo, for the past two weeks, I've just been, like, struggling mm-hmm. with this, blah, 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 blah. 
And uh, so I've never like, this is never, none of my decisions have ever been in isolation from people, have never been, you know, closed off from pushback or encouragement uh, or from community, from discipleship. People, oh, he just wasn't being disciple. I was like, fan, I literally lived with my disciple. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally lived in Chicago with one of my disciples. And I was, I've always been, for the, you know, for the majority of my adult life, I've been close to my pastors. Like, for the, the, you know, I was in Houston, then I moved to Chicago, then I moved to Atlanta, and all three of those cities, I walked pretty closely with, yeah. really closely, more closely than most yeah. with their pastors, and none of my pastors were unaware of yeah. where I was at. Yeah. So. so so this is, you know, it might get to the crux of it, maybe not, but um, you haven't done this in isolation you've been trying to be as transparent as possible on your new YouTube page. And I asked you this in private last time. Um, when I, which means you can't ask me now. You can't. No, I'm playing. Go ahead. Uh, Uh, yeah, I, so when I hear your, your content and even the reason why I want to ask, I kind of hear it even in this conversation. Um, you know, you talk about people think, oh, it's an emotional decision. It's an intellectual, philosophical, theological decision why he left. But when I hear you talk, it's all the above. It's not one specific thing. Yeah, yeah. One. And I think what I had asked you is like, what, what did you need or what do you need from God to, to say, man, this is this is it, this is the way of life. Because like even you giving up some of these things, the infallibility of scripture, you know, some might look at that and be like, oh, that's where you went wrong. But to your point, like you did that to preserve <laughs> as much Jesus as you possibly could. Mm-hmm. People can debate like if that was the best approach or not, but the heart posture was. Yeah, because I've wanna... just seen people, I've literally seen people walk away from the faith because they were struggling with whether or not Genesis, the creation account happened in six days. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. you, were you gonna give up your entire faith for an, an yeah. issue that's not even, in my mind, directly related to right. whether or not Jesus is the true savior? So I was like, that's when I was like, no, 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 don't. And I was in the same vein. I was like, yeah. don't give up the entire thing because you're <laughs> yeah. wrestling with whether or not this was a six day creation yeah, or if yeah. it was literal or literal, yeah. whatever. It was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that, yeah, yeah, that's my reasoning behind it. Yeah, yeah, seriously, like the heart behind was like, how can I hold on as much as possible? And so I guess what I wanted to ask or what I'm trying to ask is what were you looking for that you didn't find um, when it came to the faith? And I know that's such a big question. Yeah. We're not going to solve it with you answering this one time or you, I mean, with the YouTube page that you started, it's an attempt to answer that question, (laughs) right? But it's a very feeble attempt. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But like, what would you know, if you can sum it up, I don't even know if that's possible, but like, what were you missing that you felt like needed to be there? Um, you know, some, you know, for some people they're like, oh, he didn't, he never had a genuine experience with God. And then some people was, you know, you're looking to have all the answers. I never looked to have all the answers. Hmm. This, um, and I'm and I never was really honestly, you know, 
some people shun wanting to have an experience. Like, oh, you think God is always, you know, in the existential rather than just faith. And, you, you, you know, you're like Thomas who needs him to come up and show his hands or whatever. And I was like, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. Who wouldn't want that? I'll like, why that. would you shun that? Like, if, <laughs> if, if, if you could see a miracle and have an unexplainable moment. And I've had, to be honest, I've had, you know, maybe I can think through and explain them a little differently now. But I've had moments. I've had mm. deeply existential moments. Mm. Uh, experiences as a Christian so there's never void of that Um, I was following those feelings but I was also following you know just trying to be scriptural and trying to follow the Bible Mm. and so I think it was just you know I think maybe I lacked continuity of those experiences and Mm. and connected dots I think that for me the more I wanted to learn about Christianity, and I see a lot of people do this, I see a lot of people do this. In order for me to learn more about Christianity, I ran the the risk of learning other stuff mm. that was threatening to my Christian faith. And so, like, so if you want to learn more about Christianity, mm. and if it's true or not, you got to watch these debates and like that, and you get introduced to all these other like schools of thought, schools of thoughts. Yeah. In trying to become a better Christian, you also yeah. kind of like. You gotta bump up against some other thoughts as yeah. well, which is a scary thing. Yeah. And so I was trying to do both. I was trying to learn about those other things without learning too much to the point that it would like damage my faith yeah. fatally. And um, and so it just became increasingly difficult to to be an avid learner and be genuinely open and honest about what I may receive, you know? Mm. Um, Cause I started to realize a lot of the stuff that, you know, oftentimes what, what Christians will do, myself included, is we'll, you know, we'll allow a pastor to lift up or even a apologist or whatever, a book to lift up an, an opposing thought and they'll say, see, this is what Nietzsche says, or this is what right. evolutionary biologists say, or this is what, you know, whoever says. Yeah. And they, I learn oftentimes, it's rarely been an accurate mm. representation mm. of what opposing thoughts were. And, mm. and I'm experiencing that even now, the way people approach me, like they, mm because I'm not in the, oftentimes I'm not in the traditional, uh, what they, what their pastors or what they know, the sort of um, cliche ways of thinking about people who have left the faith or who are outside of the faith. They don't know how to really deal with the nuances, which I don't blame them. I mean, like Mm. nuances are messy and it's it's too much to do. Everyone's so different. And so it's like, you know, we make us, we categorize things all the time and it's for us to save time. You know, I, you know, you sat on that, sofa today you've never sat well technically you have sat on the sofa before but let's just say this is your first time at my house you've never sat on this sofa before but you've sat on a lot of sofas and if every time you come to sit on the sofa you have to like judge whether or not it's a a sofa you can sit on is it hot you know what i'm saying is my butt gonna burn off if i sit on the sofa like that's a wildly that's a wild assumption to make it's like well I, i see it and generally it looks like a sofa so i can sit on it like you just you've categorized because you've sat on other sofas yeah 
Um, and so we kind of do that with people. It's like, oh, I've ran into somebody like him. So in general, he's mm-hmm. this, like, but it, it could mm-hmm. be, he could be very different. That's so real. Um, and so, so real. but it's more efficient to just be like, oh, this is, I've sat on sofas before. So this is just, just another sofa. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've just learned that, you know, when I'm, as I started exploring, you know, for one example, I used to be, I had a poem about this too called Astrophobia. I was like genuinely, genuinely had a fear and uneasiness about outer space. Yeah. Namely because I didn't know what that would mean about my faith. Like mm. I just didn't like learning about what scientists thought about yeah. outer space. Cause I'm like, the only way you, I've seen people really deal with it is like, oh, them scientists don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I just, uh, I had a discussion with one of my friends, uh, who, you know, and I remember he asked me something. He, we, it wasn't even like, he wasn't even trying to, we weren't even having a debate yet. Just, we were talking about something. And I was like, yo, here's a cool thing about outer space. You know that like, you know, the universe is, uh, you know, 14 billion years old. Yeah. And the earth is about, uh, I think it's about 4 billion years old. And then he was like, wait, like, well, how do you know that? I was like, well, I mean, it's kind of like, accepted thought among like just there's no literally like no scientists no cosmologists or uh astrophysicists who believes otherwise maybe it's you know some mild debate on you know give or take a couple hundred thousand years or whatever but for the most part it's billions of years old yeah and the only real like response that christians can have is like oh we don't know christian you know science science changes all the time yeah yeah, (laughs) it's like (laughs) uh i find it so disingenuous because we we trust the experts in mm. apologetics and theology that when they mm. say, well, you know, these manuscripts we have are this year's old and this, they're, clo- they're this close to the, um, to the life of death of Jesus. And then we have this archeological find and all that. You didn't go see them archeological finds yourself. You wouldn't even know how to test it. You know, you wouldn't know how to test for the, you know, the age of some artifact or whatever. You trust the experts, right. well, that's what humans do. We right. have like a, we, we trust the experts oftentimes, right, right, which right. is not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. We, but so we do it with our theologians. We do it when the pastor tells us something like, you know, so we learn this about yeah. when we're doing exegetical studies and stuff. We learn the, the historical context of something. And we read in some book that says, well, this was the custom in Israel at the time. Right. Or, this was the custom in Rome at the time. We're like, yeah. yep, that's true. You don't know that. You didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> you didn't go, but you just yourself. trust the expert. Yeah, so when yeah. I tell you that, I'm like, yo, all the experts say that the universe is 14 billion years old. You're like, ah, we'll see. Science changes all the time. We don't know. It's like yeah. it's a good insulator to yeah. keep you away from dealing with, yeah. um, with uh, what's really out there. And so I, yeah. I was afraid of stepping across that insulation. And I, you know, eventually more and more I did it. Like, um, you know, I think it just became that was just another way of it becoming increasingly difficult to reconcile. Again, I let go of, you know. I even know as I accepted that the universe is billions of years old, I started trying to reconcile, okay, what does that mean about a literal sixth day? I read The Science of God by, uh, I think, Gerald Schroeder, I think his name, Uh, I forget what his last name is, a Jewish guy. And he makes a really cool, and scratch my itchy science mind, he makes a really cool argument in that book that, you ever seen Interstellar? Uh, No, I have not, no, I have not. Oh, you gotta watch Interstellar, bro. Golly, it's so good, but it, it deals with time dilation. Yeah. And essentially, you know, Einstein and Einstein 
Yeah. Literally a genius. I, I, during the <laughs> pandemic, I really like dove down the Einstein rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, that's why he's, yeah. he, like, he's really that dude. Yeah. Um, slept a lot, right? Huh? He slept like three, four hours a day or something like that, right? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I watched I some little thing on him. Yeah. Well, he, um, so, you know, he comes up with the, the theory of general relativity. And, and within that theory also explains how, you know, in places where gravity mm-hmm. is, is much stronger, it will it it can warp space and time. Yeah. Um. And 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 we warp space and time everywhere we go. You sitting in this couch actually warp space and time. The way that you see how you warp my couch. Yeah. When I sit in this chair and I warp this chair, there's an indentation. Yeah. That's how mm. a planet sits in the, a grid of space and time. It warps stuff around it. Yeah. That's how gravity works. And so, um, um, you know, around a supermassive black hole. You know, space and time is warped dramatically. Where mm. in the movie, you know, it shows how like, and this is this is actually true that mm. in certain places in the universe, you know, for me, it, here on Earth, it would be forty years. Yeah. But around that black hole, time slows mm. down so much. Forty years to me would be like, literally, like three hours for somebody. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> um, yeah, you were afraid of even engaging in yeah, all of I'm this. Yeah, I'm afraid of like engaging this. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm afraid of engaging with this stuff. Yeah. And oh, Schroeder, general, uh, general relativity and six day creation. That's yeah. where I was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, what he was saying is that, you know, his argument, I believe he was saying that, you know, one, time works very differently in different parts of the universe. And when he says that God created, uh, you know, light, let there be light, let there be darkness. He's creating the universe and not necessarily, like there's time that can pass between the universe being created and the actual earth being created. And then mm-hmm. you have universe time mm-hmm. and then you have local earth time mm-hmm. and universe time could very well be billions of years yeah. and to a particular point in, uni- in the universe it could be six days yeah. and somewhere else could be millions of years. And, and it's actually a really good, it's a really good argument. He has a whole chart and everything. It's actually a really good argument to how you, you huh. can kind of hold in tandem the idea that the universe is billions of years old, and yet there is a literal six-day creation. Right. But huh. six days so can mean, it can literally be a 24-hour uh, universe day, I think he was saying, but yet it's like millions of years. And he, it was a really interesting um, yeah. um, read. But, you know, I was just really afraid of really running into these like yo if the universe is really this massive and if there's other things that like how do i make sense of um you know wow i can go down so many rabbit holes right here now but just essentially like it was one of those things as i start to read from other people and start to lose that fear of reading Mm -hmm. and learning from people who are whose whose main objective is not to prove prove for or against some religious thought they're just there to show what's out there in the universe yeah uh, what's true about our earth's history and human history and so forth and yeah you know that was one of the like i won't say nail in the coffins but it just definitely mm-hmm. became more increasingly as i started to wrestle with evolution and how that makes sense of like you know i, I believe in evolution now and i know that's like a cardinal sin for a lot of people to believe mm-hmm. because you can't make like if you have evolution you can't believe in a literal adam and eve mm-hmm. Ask the Beast by Elizabeth something, I forget her name. She's a Christian, liberal Christian. There's a book that I read. Maybe I shouldn't be suggesting books that were on my way out. 
<laughs> like, but this was me trying to grasp. Yeah, this was yeah. me trying to hold on to what I had. And I was like, maybe yeah. evolution is true, but how do I reconcile that with my faith? So I'm like reading Christians who, yeah. who are pro-evolution, but also pro-Jesus. And yeah. that was actually a really good, it's a really good book. Okay. Um, it was interesting how she proposed the idea. I think we, we praise the idea that a God would have special creation where he's like, he, you know, snaps his fingers or says a word and everything's there versus he creates something like a a single cell organism that could actually grow into so many other things that depending on how you look at it can be far more impressive. Like, wow, that you create, you create something that could create something. We see it in, in women. We see it in women like, Yes, God, we believe that, you know, God is, you know, y'all believe that God is involved in the inception of a child and so forth, and it is God who gives life or whatever, but yeah. really, the woman, in, in one sense, is doing it all on her own. Yeah. Like, the, she's inseminated, yeah. and this sort of natural process happens, yeah. Yeah. and y'all say that that is the work of God, yeah. but really, it is a hand, it is a, it is a yeah. work of both, yeah, where yeah, a woman right. creates life, and so does God, and yeah. so... Yeah. She makes this argument of like, well, that is what the earth has been doing. God mm. has endowed nature with the ability to create nature. And mm. that doesn't take away from his majesticness. If anything, right. it might add to his glory. Yeah. So, and, and it might like reflect his nature. That's how he, I mean. He creates that, that which creates. Yeah. And that's how he designed us. You know, he didn't give us a condo he gave us raw materials and then with that we build you know and that as we're building as we're creating music as we're you know building houses as we're building a case in law whatever it is we're we're in my opinion we're reflecting the creator right so i that wouldn't be too so far-fetched let me do the only the only like the real big issue probably would be the fact that now you have to wrestle with the idea that well evolution is heavily predicated on the fact that yeah. on violence like you don't have evolution without all yeah. is survival of the, the fittest, fittest and yeah. something has to die and yeah. how you get us is through massive death and it's like yeah. well how does god so that's a whole other thing but yeah, anyways yeah. um i don't know if that answers the question but just some more kind of a behind the curtains of yeah my thoughts on that so as you're talking you're kind of showing us some of the things you shared initially that you're borrowing Christian language to make sense of yeah. life. Not even borrowing, I own it. Let me I just say that. It. Go ahead. Yeah. I, like, I, cause I think people are like, you borrow from the Christian worldview or you're borrowing Christian language or even borrowing Christian culture. Somebody got mad at me that I made like a funny gospel song about hours and hours by money long. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not borrowing, I'm black church. I'm yeah. church, I'm Christian. <laughs> like, I'm not religiously Christian, but I am culturally like, you mm. don't take that from me. Yeah. Like this is, I don't borrow it. I, you grew up I, I, this mine. You, yeah. you can't take it from me. Yeah, yeah, victory yeah. is mine. <laughs> victory, victory, the day is mine. Which, which leads to something I, I wanted to ask is like, do you miss parts of the faith? If so, what, right? Cause you grew up in it. You are culturally Christian. That's, you know, that's you know you see it in the songs that you make i got the privilege of watching you perform last night you see elements of faith in the way you deliver some of the messages um and some of the ways that you sing you know you the chord progressions different things like that you see church culture you see um christian language throughout and so do you miss the faith if so what parts of it do you miss what are some of the things that uh 
you, <laughs> I've always wanted to ask you, do you ever get tempted to go to a church service on Sunday just because maybe you don't believe everything that's going on? Oh, I almost went miss. like three weeks ago. Wow. Maybe like a month ago. Okay. I literally almost went. Okay. I literally I was like, just, just for the... Just to be in that Just space. to have the ritual of going somewhere with a mass of people. Yeah. I think that's a very human thing to yeah. want to collect. That's why people go to like sporting events. Yeah, yeah. This, we're very communal and we need a narrative that joins us all together and sports provides that as well, yeah. which is why it rivals religion. You always hear about pastors, some you know, you know, these, you know, you have your sports gods and y'all want to get out of church early because the football game is on because it provides <laughs> a lot of the similar things. Yeah. That church provides is community yeah. and something to rally around right. and um, yeah. victory and losses and yeah. narrative and story and yeah. collectiveness. All is, it's right there. It's right there. So it, it's yeah. the reason why it competes. Yeah. Um, it even has a, not to be sacrilegious, but a mascot, like a Jesus. Mm. And it's someone that they all look yeah. to. And this is our, we rally around the Falcon. Right. We rally around the whatever the or, our, yeah. or our superstar player. Yeah. Um, right. As our sort of savior that we go behind, and we he all want a hero. he is the he is the one who embodies. He looks a lot like us, but he has these supernatural talents, mm. like a Steph Curry who can shoot threes and hit. All, but he looks like he looks like us. So there's like a, this duality of like he's 100 percent man, this sort of hypostatic union. Yeah. Is what, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, you know, he's 100 percent man, but also something what we could never be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why we rally behind him. So sports offers that, um, but. I do miss a lot of, uh, you know, the rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, if and as a spiritual, I, I am, even to believe in evolution, I believe that we evolved, like there's not one human society that's ever not came up with some form of deity to worship. Yeah. Like, there's never been a society in, in, in that has ever arose and, they just never ever believed in a deity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think from an evolution, evolutionary standpoint, there's probably a lot of there's a lot of benefit uh, to that. Though it's another story. I I don't think that I know a lot of Christians were arguing to me that you know without religion you can't have morality. But I, I would argue that actually morality predates religion. Yeah. Religion is a is a further fleshing out of our moral standards uh, and how we get along as people and living in society with others. Um, it's just a more intelligent and more complicated version of very simplistic um, morality, mm. and um, and so from that, that means that the same way that I got all the genes from people before me that made them sexual and hungry and black yeah. and tall or brown eyes or all these genetic details. Part of the genetic details that I'm a, deeply spiritual being, whether I want to be or not, I, right. I believe that everyone is deeply right. spiritual, at least has a longing to be deeply spiritual. Of course, I know the Christian response to, what, to that would be, <laughs> but I, so I, 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 I don't agree with your <laughs> explanation, explanation for it, but I do agree with the fact that yes, we are all spiritual. Mm. Um, and so with that comes a desire to want to commune around other people who are uh, 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 like-mindedness and uh, so I miss being able to have a sort of Christians have a sort of uh, ready-made community. Like mm-hmm. if you ever want to have people who are older and younger than you and the same age as you and families and single people yeah. and people who are in business and people who are teachers and people right. who are, you want a diversity of community and you want people who are rally around the same thing. 
church is yeah. there. You want to go somewhere where you can naturally meet a, a, a mate, a, marry, a marrying mate, you know, someone you can marry. Just go to the church. Yeah. Once you leave that, then it now it's like, well, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Some people. It's the reason why dating apps are such on the rise. It's like as you leave those enclaves, yeah. where do you go right. to naturally meet people? By naturally, I don't mean going to the club and randomly seeing somebody that you've never seen before. Right. But rather, through the church, you see the same people over and over again. You just have this sort of natural bonding with people. Yeah. And um, mm. it's, it's just easier to get yeah. to know people in that way and to yeah. build genuine relationships. Yeah, yeah. And so you want that. Um, and I was missing that for a while in L.A. Mm. I'm getting it again now. Instead of going to church, I ended up going to yoga. I did a video about that, the definition. I mean, that uh, Paul's, yeah. you know, ethic of the body and all that. That was actually the time that I was considering going to church. I ended up. Last minute, somebody invited me to do yoga in the park, and it was a very cool experience to be around a bunch of black people who were like-minded, yeah. huh. um, who um, who were all doing the same. Just like in worship, we all raise our hands together, we all sit down together, we all stand up together. We're all doing the same yoga poses together, yeah. um, huh. and we're um, you know kind of all on the same mind. And then you know you can go there, you can hang out before and talk to people and meet new people do the thing together and afterwards you hang out like after church and just kind of chopping it up. Yeah. You get to see the same people over and over again. You see a pretty girl, maybe you see her there again next week and you know, you get to see her in the context of other people. So mm-hmm. it's a bit safer and a bit more natural to meet her and so forth. And you know, she can see you in a regular space and yeah. outside of having to, you know, go to the club and buy her a drink or whatever, you just kind of naturally meet her. So yeah. Um, yeah, all of that's like, that was present there and it was really cool. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I, so I do miss that. I do miss, I don't say I miss gospel music because I still sing it sometimes. I, it comes up in me. I love the melodies of a Fred Hammond or Kurt Franklin mm. or whoever. And like, I still sing these songs that resonate with me. Mm. Uh, I have a song that I'm coming out with. It has a choir on it. And it's like, mm. it just feels so churchy. It literally is churchy. I'll let you hear it after this podcast. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just. It's who I am, and yeah. so I'm trying to find ways to reconnect with those things in a way that obviously doesn't have to be, now I'm a Christian, yeah. but I don't want to avoid it. I I thought about going to church. I don't know if I could. I think it would bother me. I think in trying to get the things that I want from it, it would still bother me too much to see the mm. what I see as sort of uh, antics, or especially in L.A., yeah. but just you know stuff that I, I think are great for human flourishing, but also mm. uh, subtly not good for human flourishing. Do you miss like? Sorry, this is really specific. No, like no. Worship, worshiping with people. Because I never really liked CCM anyway. I was, <laughs> you know, I wasn't much of a. Maybe that was that was that was the that could be the the dead That's on the like clue right there. Like, well, he wasn't a worshiper. There you go. Um, or would you go to a Kirk Franklin? I didn't concert? like the monotony of it. I do. I didn't like the the contriveness of it. Like, I think hmm. people in church like. I could love worship, but it was that we tried to milk it so much every week that we tried yeah. to make every single week this yeah. be this super mystical yeah. big thing that it yeah. was like after a while That's it was right. like you kind of pumping it like yeah. you're just trying to get those emotions that only come every now and then, yeah. and you right. tr- and it, it becomes it just becomes a lot, and I think I was over that of like you know. And some people may argue, well, you know, God shouldn't have to pump and prime you to be excited about him. I was like, but so y'all just love, maybe some of y'all do, but y'all just love worshiping every single, yeah. I mean like excited. I just like, not just yeah. you there. I'm talking about like no phone in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like crying, just yeah. height of emotion, like you just loving it. 
versus maybe just love the communion of being around and hearing right. people sing the same thing, which I've, I think is why people love concerts because yeah, yeah. honestly, you know, you can just listen to Kendrick, mm-hmm. you know, on your phone, but you go to go with a bunch of other people who also love Kendrick. And when yeah. he turns his mic off and, you, and he points to the crowd or whatever, and yet you all hear him yeah. um, saying the same thing together, I think that's a very powerful thing. I think that has a lot of usefulness to yeah. get people on board. I think that's one of the reasons why another conversation, why music evolved actually yeah. was what was the necessity of music in mm. human societies was to get people all on the same page yeah, uh, to right. a predictable melodies that, that uh, get people on. The same. So anyways, yeah, it's good. No, um, I, you know, I don't miss, I don't miss worship settings. I do miss genuine, intimate moments, though. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of moments in my life where I've had some very genuine, mm-hmm. intimate worship moments within myself, by myself, or with other Christians mm-hmm. with a guitar or something, and you can tell it was, like, not being forced. It was just yeah. it was sweet, and it was genuine, and they didn't come all the time. They didn't have to come all the time, but when they did, yeah. it, was, uh, it was beautiful. There's actually one cover of a worship song that felt that way for me that you did. Um, I'm forgetting the name. I was an orphan lost at the fall. Bro, the amount of times I had that song playing. My Jesus, you made me see. You predestined to adopt me as your own. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm in I am born again by grace and grace alone. Yeah. Yeah. What a time. It's good melodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good, a lot of, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to, something, I hope what people are gathering from our conversation is I just, again, we're just listening, getting a sense for where you're at. And I'm genuinely, I, I feel like we can have a million more of these conversations. Absolutely. I just love hearing your perspective and making, and I, you know, I feel like we've lost the art of listening. Yeah. We listen to respond, right? It's yeah. like, okay, Joe said this. And it's also, it can be offensive because to your point that you were making earlier, we want to oversimplify you and put you in a box. Mm-hmm. You said something that sounded like that person. Let me just put them together yeah. and say, this is who Joe is, or this is why Joe walked away. But it takes time, man. Like the human, in my opinion, the human soul is complex and yeah. you said nuance is messy. I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, like there's just so much to an individual. And for me, you know, I, I just want to learn and things of that nature, but I did want to give you an opportunity. You know, we talked about off air, how you're in the public light. And so, you know, you get the best and the worst of people's responses. Mm. But truth be told, there's a lot of people in my life, and I know for anybody who's tuning in, there might be people in their life that are either deconstructing, walking away, or have walked away altogether. And I can't speak for everybody, but I know there are some people that genuinely genuinely want to love those people well. Um, what, um, what did you have that you appreciated in your transition? And what did you, what do you wish you had in your transition? Like how could people love on, on people like you better? Cause I think you represent, even last night we were talking about the concert and, you know, running into people that are on the same journey as you. Yeah. 
it's a thing like there's a lot of people in the same predicament in the same boat even for me like as a pastor i have learned of the very hard way that one like <laughs> part of part of the reason why i'm not tempted to just like have rebuttals is because i've tried that and it doesn't work fam like <laughs> like and especially with with someone like you who who's thought very deeply about some of the things that you think about and some of the decisions that you've made like you're avid reader like that's something i've always appreciated about you whether you're a christian or not you're a curious individual and you don't just do this haphazardly there's a lot of thought intention meditation mm. conversation that goes behind some of the things that you do and so i've just learned the hard way like one prayer is not going to do it uh a conversation isn't going to do it a debate isn't going to do it um man god if 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 right if he is real if he wants us he'll make that plain to us right and yeah. so i have personally in my own life taken the pressure off of myself to convert people or to make people think the way i think especially as it pertains to the faith i just think it's such a you know with your background you probably know where i'm coming from such a supernatural thing um for me like conversion is or whatever that that's a it's a work of god or what have you and so i'm i'm rambling now but what, what would be your advice to people like me who actually do love and care for people that are in a predict the similar predicament as yours or in the similar season that you're in um what what have you enjoyed what has worked what has hurt and what have you maybe um been disappointed about yeah uh what's been helpful is you know and i'm not here to tell you I, it's kind of I, it could be kind of hard you know as a non-christian telling you the non-christian what they should be doing yeah, you, yeah. you know what their ethics should be yeah i'll just tell you you know what was helpful and what you know what when i saw people prioritize um their love for me over mm -hmm. being right or me being wrong yeah um they just you know my parents you know they were disappointed when i walked away from the faith and they were kind of on some like they were frustrated but then when i got the backlash publicly at first and they saw how much it was it was it's hurtful, man. I'm not gonna go into, but it was it was it was hurtful, you know. Uh, it doesn't hurt as much now, but at the time, it was uh, it was hurtful, and you know, I was on the phone with my mom, you know, just crying, and um it sounds kind of juvenile and we crying about the opinions of people online but it's true but people like people like we're real people too like i don't care who they try to be like try to i don't care about the opinions of people blah 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 mm. we're people we're deeply communal i don't care who you are i don't care like it affects you at some point whether it makes you mad or it hurts your feelings yeah. and oftentimes making you mad is just a version of it hurting your feelings it's just expressed as anger um but you know, when you've given so much time and energy to that world and to see backlash from it and people trying to discredit you as a as a person, um, it's hurtful. And my mom switched modes, man. She switched into mom mode. Whereas at the end of the day, like, I don't know if you got son, but you my son. And I'm that's taking precedent right now and I just I just 
she was there to comfort me and I really appreciated how my mom and my parents responded in that moment and the way that others responded in that moment some of my you know friends like Ezekiel and John O um, and some other people that reached out Andy Minio was like man he got on the phone with me talked to me for like an hour and Andy's just a really good dude I thought I was just featuring on a song with him he reached out to me I thought he was just wanting me to do a song with him or whatever but just ended up being one of my favorite humans mm-hmm. and man just a really him and his um his manager um Dell mm-hmm. just genuinely good people man mm-hmm. um just caring people and um so I think that's help I think it's just a, hel- a healthy and helpful ethic to have in general like because you're right you like you you're not finna just at this point it's not gonna be a anything that's going to convince me, not no debate or whatever. And I think the same way, like for me, like I'd be wishing people saw the way I saw it. Yeah. I like, man, I wish I would free ourselves from that. Like I, I see, to me, I see the, the problems of it. I wish, but I'm also like, I know how much this means to people. I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to try to beat nobody over the head. I'm going to say what, how I feel and you yeah. can do it, but I'm not, I'm not going to, it's, you know, me being unloving to you and judgmental and mm. and combative is not it's not gonna do nothing right it's literally not and that's what always confused me when people like want me to come back to the faith mm. but they ha- but they come at me you know on some like well you see how you feel you know when you're facing the judgment of god blah blah, blah and they think that that's like their duty to say that i said but you really think that's what's gonna mm. if your goal is to wow. make me upset then or annoy me or whatever then you mission accomplished but if your mission is to you think that you want me to see the love of god and you want me to see things your way like you failed miserably so what is your what is your what is your end goal Mm. is it genuinely that you want me to see jesus or is it that you want me to see that i'm wrong Mm. and the two are not the same wow and wow. some people conflate them as the same. Mm-hmm. And so if you conflate them as the same where you prioritize making sure when someone knows they're wrong, then keep on with that mission. But to me, it just seems fake. It doesn't seem like you really mm-hmm. you want people to see the beauty of Jesus. That's not, it's not convincing to me. Yeah. And, uh, and on my side, you know, I'm also like, you know, I'm not trying to make a case for secularism or anti-Christianity or whatever it may be. Like, I just, I'm... I'm, I love where I'm at right now, mm. and uh, um, I just, I think a lot of people will benefit where I'm at, but I'm not gonna try to like, if you'll listen to me, I'll talk, mm. but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to debate you into, yeah. especially cause I feel like, you know, a lot of people get into, I know I'm kind of sidebarring, but a lot of people get into apologetics and stuff, mm. and they get really, into it because they had their own doubts and a lot and I could be projecting but I do believe that some of the people who are so fervent about their defense of Christian faith is because they are struggling with it themselves Mm. and and to sort of prove it to themselves Mm. they go harder in the public when they, they as as they're arguing with people who disagree with them, they're sort of arguing against themselves. And I found myself in that space. Yeah. I'm not arguing with myself these days no yeah. more. Like yeah. I, I am like, I really am good where I'm at. Yeah. So like I don't feel mm-hmm. no need to prove myself to nobody. I think the only thing I'm still wrestling with proving is like proving that like 
I ain't no dummy. You think I like I I know what I'm talking about. Like stop yeah. stop stop playing me, bro. Yeah. You know, but and maybe I need that's some work I still need to do. Mm. But like as far as like trying to prove that like where I'm at is right or whatever, or like I, I, I'm really good where I'm at. Yeah. And so I don't I don't feel no pressure mm. to try to like and, and that's what I'm saying, if Christian, if you really own what you own, yeah, then you right. wouldn't feel no pressure yeah, either. You would right. just Yeah. You were like, man, I, I own it. I yeah. own what I'm on. I know I, I'm, I'm ten toes where I'm at. Yeah. And if you really about that, then you wouldn't be feeling this need right. to like go at people's heads like that because yeah. you just know truth is truth is truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I know yeah, some people, you know, they got the Great Commission call or whatever. So, I mean, that make things a little more complicated. But I own what I'm on yeah. fully. I'm not renting or leasing nothing. I own this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. ain't nothing going like really shake that for me at this point mm. so i feel like why shouldn't why shouldn't christians have that same sort of stance mm. that's real i i actually remember our last podcast episode we did together you shared the same sentiment own your truth yeah. you weren't afraid to own what you believe then mm. you're not afraid to own what you believe now and i agree i um you know i the last couple of years have gone through my own traumatic experiences with the church and the lack of love and it's made me wonder yo if if this is what we champion why don't we see much of it right and um especially like one of my favorite passages is in romans it's the kindness of god that leads us to repentance it's yeah. not the judgment of god that leads us to repentance so like you know peter there's this one specific story where peter is on the boat trying to catch fish all night and doesn't catch anything jesus comes into the picture he says throw your net on the other side the net starts breaking the boat starts going down and his immediate response is get away from me i'm a sinner and it's it, i always found it ironic that it was god blessing peter that actually led peter to repentance it wasn't mm. a sermon on why you need to repent it wasn't uh you know jesus didn't pull up and, and say you know i condemn your business you should be following me you're following worthless idol whatever it is he just you're a businessman let me bless it and then that was enough for peter to and so i've myself like on this side of it have been confused as well mm. by the lack of love um i think like if we really care about somebody if we really love somebody we would be very careful in how we speak to them you know we'd be gentle i not to continue to throw like Bible verses, but I remember Paul, when he planted the church of Thessalonica, he said, you know, we, we cared for them and nurtured them like a mother does with her, with her baby. And I'm like, wow, like that's the way he served people. It was with genuine mm. care. And even the way Jesus responds to people, you know, we never talk about this enough in, in the world of apologetics, but he said it would say that he would look at their heart before responding to what they were saying. So he was essentially responding to the heart behind what was being said, not just not necessarily what was being said. And I think we've lost that. And I th you can't do that on social media. You can't do that on YouTube. Like we can't look at your videos and get your heart and then yeah. respond. You know, like and so that's why for me, I think it's like a losing battle to like be <laughs> in the comment section, right? It's a losing battle to pull up on your live and just it's just Look, I just want I told this guy I said you know somebody I said something in a comment or whatever and somebody was like can you provide your sources and you know blah 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 yeah and I said 
I could, honestly, bro. Honestly, bro. Would that matter? When, when <laughs> this, I wish people would really think about this as y'all go hard for Jesus in the comment sections. <laughs> when, yeah. if, when have you ever, yeah, ever, right, at, literally ever, can right, convince someone in the comment section, or where they were like, you know what? You're all right, how do I accept Jesus? <laughs> when have you ever, you know what, I'm, I'm wrong about my entire life. Let me give up homosexuality mm. and follow Jesus. When have you ever done it in the comment section? I'm yeah. not saying it ever happens in real life. Right, right, right. But when have you ever yeah, yeah, yeah. had that experience for yourself that you was like, you know, I went hard? Yeah. And they they changed their mind. They changed their no mind. No one changes their minds in there. No. If they prove, if they're flat out blatantly proven wrong they either double down or just exit yeah, yeah they don't actually like sit there and humble them no one ever no one. yeah that's right no one ever is like you know what and <laughs> maybe on smaller things but never on massive nah, issues nah, like maybe nah. like you know i was wrong you know you're right bro about a fact about something or whatever right, right. no one's ever went from republican to democrat <laughs> Never. No one's ever went from atheist to Christian or Christian to atheist. Uh, no one's ever went from straight to gay or gay to straight. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, for no one no, has ever done that in no, the comment section. No so one. why are we like yeah, going yeah. ham in the comment sections, yeah. bro? It means absolutely. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. We just yeah. So yeah. And that's word to myself too, because I was just going at it with <laughs> this dude in my channel about because I just had the hope that maybe he saw he seemed like he was open to being, but it was a it was a, it was a losing battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, he just doubled down. I was like, yeah, why are you not? I was like, Joe, no one ever, no one changes their mind. You never change your mind, right, and right. they don't either. Right. So why, why do this? <laughs> why do this? It's real. We're all trying to be better at that. Listen, I, uh, man, we can we can continue with the heavy stuff for another. You know, it, every time we hang out, it's like three, four hours straight yeah, and stuff yeah. like this. But I do want to get to music because I'm just a fan of your music. Dope and. Uh, Bro, last night, that yeah, I thoroughly fun times. This camera's myself. getting dark, I think, because it's it's dark. I don't it's know. It's getting dark outside. Yeah. yeah, this one looks okay. This one is like a little. Maybe we can fix it in post. It's also yeah. kind of moody too. I don't know. It is. Maybe it lets people into the world of like, oh, it's getting dark where he's at. <laughs> um, but um, music, yeah, man. Music. I uh, I want to know like what what you have. You have music coming out. Are you doing a tour? What's inspiring your music nowadays? What's going Sex, on? Sex, drugs, and money. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, y'all. Sex, drugs, and money. We got the exclusive. Y'all were right. <laughs> that's all. That's all I want to make music about. Uh, yeah, man. I went through a really grueling creative process of trying to transition of what you know what I want to say to this new audience, and yeah, I'm so you know thankful to finally be creating some music that I'm really really happy about, mm -hmm. and um, because I'm. You know, creative health is so predicated upon your personal health, and so as mm -hmm. I've gotten better as a person, it's showing up in the in the wow. way that I, sh you know, express myself in music. So I'm excited about yeah. finding my sound and being authentic to myself creatively. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I spent too much time not putting out music, so this year is like, I'm trying to flood. Mm. I'm not even trying to think about it, bro. I'm just pressing mm. submit, mm. submit, submit. Mm. So we've already got stuff in the pipeline. It's already been submitted. About to start releasing, shooting music videos and stuff, and Dope. just not being scared anymore, bro. And just yeah. like, bro, you see the now or never. Yeah, you gotta make it happen. <laughs> so I'm excited about 
doing that, I'm excited about, you know, finding my voice in that space, exploring, you know, things that I wouldn't explore before as far as like gospel sounds mm. that I didn't really, I didn't want to be wrapped up in gospel. As a Christian, I didn't want to be in the gospel music world. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just didn't, Yeah. I just didn't like it. <laughs> uh, so now it's like, I feel even more free to like uh, be true to those spaces of me and just like, yo, if it comes out as gospel in this space, like yeah. run it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's you, like that's your influences. You know? I, I know you did a song with Andy. Would you continue collaborating with Christians with your art or? Nah. Okay. <laughs> Andy's a special one because I still hadn't fully, I wouldn't even fully transitioned out. Even that song came out, I think that song came out after Literally, I made the announcement. Right after, yeah. It was like right after. And yeah. I bet that was, Andy was like, oh, perfect timing, right, bro? <laughs> Run the numbers. But I had, we had recorded that song like, I did that probably m months. Like I think I recorded that in 2020, okay. and it came out in, like late tw mid 2021. So yeah. it was a lot had happened since that song had been made. Yeah. So yeah, I just I just don't even want to be in that. I don't even want no confusion of being <laughs> in that world anymore. I don't yeah. even want people to think that oh, is he coming back or is it or even the debate around should I be working she be working with non Christian artists and blah, blah, I just don't even like yeah. But converses in that world i just i'm good i'll have my christian friends but creatively like i just don't even really want to exist at all yeah in that world i get that yeah i hear rumors that you've got a drake feature, feature. i wish is that that's, no it's not <laughs> true though i what you know the the ask is coming though mm. i just got a have a lot of music that I'm really proud of and making my own wave and then yeah. you start asking those big asks you know because I can if I DM Drake right now he'd see it <laughs> I don't know if he'd respond but he'd see it but yeah. he'd see it so the, the the access is there I just need to have him reason give him reason to respond so yeah. that comes with making your own waves first in your original music and then you can try to be like hey yo because he is open to working with new I've seen him yeah, he he get on some people's songs you ain't never heard of before. Right, that's right. And they blow up. Summer Walker was one of them. Giveon. Yeah. I'm just like, who the freak is Giveon? Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, he had a feature with Drake before he ever had an album. Right, and now he's Giveon. Yeah, he's yeah, Giveon. Yeah. So it's it's no it's not out of the it's not unreasonable. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's not unreasonable either. So I'm, I'm here for it. I'm waiting for it. We never got a chance to talk about this in this podcast episode, but narrative is important. We all subscribe mm. to a narrative. What would what would you say is, and you know, you alluded to the fact that the healthier you are as a person, the healthier art, art becomes. Have you figured out your narrative in your artistry? I'm still figuring it out. I think that's all. It's an ongoing. It's kind of like. You know, my narrative is like a Walking Dead series, bro. That mug just never ends. <laughs> always some. If you go, it finally ended. I was like, man, this mug is still on. <laughs> it's just ever, just constantly being tweaked and added on. And yeah, um, my current narrative of being a creative is um, someone who trusts himself. Hmm. I think you know you have to be able to. I think one of the biggest blocks for creativity is the lack of trusting that you know what is good. Mm. And I think trusting yourself when you hear something good and trusting yourself when you know something ain't hitting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, uh, don't lie to yourself. It's hard. You just got to be able to get it. Like, no, you know what's good. You've heard, you know good music. Yeah. And so, you know when you make bad music. And mm-hmm. you just got to be honest with yourself on that. And I think I'm learning the, you know, um, being someone who, mm. who trusts himself creatively mm. um, and who, and I'm seeing my creativity more and more as like, um, I make art, like that's just what I do versus like mm. trying to wait for this big song to come or waiting for the big inspiration. It's yeah. just like make art because that's what you do. Just right. make it every day, whether it's good or not. Like people who uh, who are construction workers, they go and they, it's what they do every day. It's not, they're not waiting for inspiration to do. They yeah. just, so I wake up at this time and I go, I show up at work yeah. and I'm, and I make construction. Yeah. yeah. And same thing as an artist is like whatever you do. Like I wake up in the morning, I do my thing, or whatever, and I make art. Yeah. I just I, that's just what I do. I'm yeah. not waiting for some sort of inspiration. That's real. That reminds me, John O. Uh, he talks about. Um, I think John O. is one of the greatest storytellers ever. He's just yeah, he is. He's an he's artist. Yeah, but he talks about how every day he writes an illustration, yep. and. You know, it's like, how do you get so good at conveying a message? Well, like to your point, reps every day. Steph yeah. Curry doesn't shoot when he's inspired. Yeah, he just shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots. Yeah. That's why he's the greatest. Yeah, yeah. No. He's probably he's made more threes, but he's probably missed way more threes than most people too. Right, that's right. But you just keep because of how many shots he's put up. Yeah, yeah. That's real. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'm excited for new music. You've submitted a whole bunch, so hopefully this year we'll see some stuff come out. Oh, you know, hopefully it's... It's coming. Should the Lord tarry his coming, (laughs) it's coming. I'm here. My only request is that you don't skip Minneapolis when you go on tour. That's my only request. You can make it happen. You got to help make it happen. Yeah, let me know. We'll make it happen. happen. For sure. Man, it was a joy to have you on this podcast. Do you have any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Anything on your heart that you want to get out? Nah, praise to you, man, for what you're doing and, you know, being teaching people how to be good listeners. And uh, I think one huge mark of humility is being able to mm. listen and inquire. And you exemplify that really well. Man, I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, yeah I mean, I appreciate you trusting this platform and you being tra- transparent and vulnerable with sharing where you're at. I know that's not easy, especially with the backlash that you've already received. And so thank you for being open and honest and being willing to have the tough conversations. And so, yeah, man. Yeah. I always, uh, I always leave better um, after talking to you and this conversation is no different. So thank you for your presence, your wisdom and your perspectives. Thank you audience and listeners for tuning in until next time, family. Peace. Peace. Peace.